0: Hi, everyone. I'm Andrew. And I'm Michael. And this is the Endurance Innovation Podcast.
1: Hey, everyone, and welcome back. Uh, we have our first second time guest of the of the show's very brief history so i'm uh, i'm pleased to welcome back alan hovda uh who has recently come off uh well a whole bunch of racing that uh we're gonna want him to speak to uh, as, as well as um well, specifically a second place, a very, very close second place at uh, Norseman. So, last time, if you'll recall, when we spoke to Alan, he was getting ready for that uh, iconic race, and uh, now we have the opportunity to chat with him and to uh, get a little bit of our race recap from him. Alan, welcome
0: back.
2: Oh, uh, thank you. It's uh, it's uh, it's a pleasure to to be back on the podcast.
0: So I think last time we had spoken to you, we were asking specific questions around how do you prepare for like such an extreme event like Norseman where you're dealing with really cold water, cold temperatures, a ton of climbing, um, just a very unusual race. So there's there's a whole bunch of things that are kind of out of the norm for what you do with if you're racing a standard 70.3 or Ironman race. Um, so first of all, I guess, what what specific preparation steps do you have that are related to Norseman like uh, specifically do you have uh, equipment that's different um, and then maybe your hydration and nutrition strategy for this year uh, and maybe looking at something like the total number of calories you consume over the race
2: yeah it's uh it's uh it's a lot of things i i uh, i do different uh different in in Norseman compared to other races and especially on the equipment side like i have like road cycling shoes um, like winter road cycling shoes uh, I don't necessarily use them but I have them in case because we we have had uh, uh, conditions with uh, down to zero degrees on the bike uh, and one year we had uh, four degrees and rain uh, oh. for for maybe two hours on, on the bike and that really that really yeah put me in a bad place. <laughs> Because I, 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 did, I didn't have uh, enough or uh, good enough clothing to to handle those kind of conditions. So usually I have a lot of clothing uh, with me. Man, but the, the special things for this year's snowman—it was like an all-time uh, high record temperature.
1: So, how did you change your game plan or your kit for this year compared to compared yeah, to so last
2: year? so that, that, yeah, that made things quite. Uh, Quite unusual in in that regard because uh, I have I have uh, a custom a tail a custom tailored uh, tri suit from BioRacer and I have two of them I have the regular one which is the blue because I prefer blue but I also have a white one which is for for the same I used in Ironman Texas for the hotter races so I used the white uh, tri suit. Uh, and for the first time I actually just rode in my tri-suit the whole way.
1: Nice. And do you find that the, the color makes a, makes a difference? I know Andrew and I had that, uh, we did an episode on, uh, on heat transfer. So there was, uh, um, you know, a theoretical difference of, uh, of kit material, but what does it, uh, what does it feel like actually in the field?
2: Yeah, it's, um, it, it is, um, it is, it is difficult to, to say, uh, because or it's it's difficult to do the kind of A B testing, which sure. uh, I I find this I find this the way you yeah you have to have to do it. But um, I had some um, I had some uh, like uh, custom made things for the white suit as well, which is I had uh, like a lighter mesh in the back, which mm-hmm. is like slightly less aerodynamic but uh, more that more cooling. Uh, and I enjoyed it so much that I I, I got BioRacer to make the same uh, the same uh, mesh for for the blue version because it 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 it, it is uh, it it feels like it's breathed better and it feels less pressure on the chest hmm. and like the phys- uh, psychological you can't like differentiate with the physical and psychological so if if you if you have a white suit and you you believe it helps then it's, it does help a bit i think
1: oh 100% that's why that's why i was asking you know maybe to, for you to take your scientist hat off and uh, and tell uh, and share with us how you felt um, if you felt that the white was helping you on race day on a, on a above average uh, temperatures
2: yeah, yeah, because the temperature got got like really high. Com- like, I think maybe we had like twenty, twenty seven, twenty eight degrees. So it was the similar temperature as in Texas, uh, oh, which nice. is quite crazy for uh, uh, for Northland. Yeah, So it was like really hot. But I, uh, I also, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I have a father who's uh, who has some contact with. He's a former military guy and has some contacts in the military department. So he was like all calling the scientists there and they were all so like uh, having a water spray like a mist mm-hmm. so i had my supporters to to spray a mist of cold water over me each time I passed them on the run so that was probably what? about uh, each four kilometers and that that really helped so nice. so yeah the, the, yeah that was like uh, having a ice shower uh, uh, whenever I wanted to so that was that was, yeah. There was. Uh, I felt it was really beneficial because, despite the high temperature, I was I was able to to hold uh, slightly faster than four minute per kilometer average for the flat part. So that was, uh, and I I did gain a lot of time on my competitor on that flat section.
0: That's um, quite interesting. Like it's a very unique scenario where you're you're able to have people on the side spraying you like that. But yeah, uh, yeah. We, did, we did talk a little bit about that previously in the, the heat transfer episode, just having, well, basically how much energy water can store. So having that water that's hitting your body surface, it's essentially you're warming up the water. So it's pulling the heat out of your body. And uh, in doing that, it, it just, it removes a lot of the heat from your, your core. And if you're building up heat on a day, like you said, where it's 27 degrees, then that can be a tremendous difference.
2: Yeah, and the coolest, uh, or one of the things that was really cool as well is that I did take part in uh, the Norseman research project, which is a quite extensive project where they check like the, the heart health and they check uh, the blood values and they check uh, uh, lung function. Before and after, uh, but they also uh, check uh, temperature. So I was uh, doing the whole race with the temperature pill.
0: Oh, very cool! I would be very curious to see those results.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I, am um, uh, I'm, al- I'm also, uh, I'm also very uh, curious to see the result because I just, uh, I just had a quick look at the graph uh, of the temperature as, 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 as it got downloaded. So I haven't uh, reviewed it fully, but it was like. Yeah, you could see how my temperature got down to or up to thirty nine degrees when I was cycling in the uphill, and down to thirty seven in the downhills. And i oh. I had a roughly thirty nine degrees uh, steady on on the run with a slight increase uh, the last part. So that was really that was really cool to see, at least. So it would be nice to to. Uh.
0: Well, 39 degrees, I think, when your core temperature hits that, that's clinically at the point of uh, hyperthermia or heat stroke. Now, traditionally anyway, but I know there was a paper from a while back and I think we'd posted this or we talked about posting it for the heat transfer episode, but it was a thermal study that was done at the World Championships in Qatar in 2016. And I think there were 40 different cyclists that had these pills. That's probably the same type of pill you had. And they were recording core temperature. And what they found is that trained athletes can push their bodies way past the normal limits. And there was, I think there were maybe four or five cyclists who hit over 41 degrees core body temperature um, right at the end of the race. But that was basically, it's just a race against time in those conditions because Qatar is quite hot. I think it was like a 37 degree day. Um, but uh, you're you're just constantly increasing your core temperature and trying to time it so that you finish the race just as your your body's about to shut down. Uh, or at least that was their target anyways, as pro athletes. But um yeah, I'd, I'd be super interested to see how that changed over time, and how you're able to control your efforts and and manage your core temperature, and especially with being sprayed with water, because uh, on a day like that, that would make a big difference.
1: I wonder too if it's analogous to the power duration curve. You know, you can tolerate a certain temperature for a certain amount of time. So in a in an Ironman situation, you know, where you're you're out there for many many hours, compared to let's say like a, a time trial, which is I think where that. Uh, the Qatar experiment was, uh, which is uh, you know typically a sub one hour event. Um, you can obviously tolerate the the extremely high core temperature for a lot less time. So maybe you know thirty nine might be Allen's Allen's limit for you know the many hours he was out on the Norseman course.
0: So almost like a critical temperature curve. A critical temperature curve. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah and what i read from the, the water Lodge, the the book from tim noakes that the the people who got the highest temperature was the the people who did the shorter event like the 5k because you're not able to 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 push uh, so hard that you generate like that that amount of heat because you have to it's uh, you have to work really hard to reach uh, 41 uh, degrees
0: Yes, that would be a tough day, and your your yeah. mind is fighting you the whole time. Like your body is just telling you you're in danger. Slow down, but you got to push through that.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. But I'd like to get back to uh, to Andrew's question, especially uh, the one the <clears throat> the question about what was different in your in your preparation and your execution of this race, especially since you have done uh, the Norseman race in much much colder conditions. And, uh, that would make for a pretty good case study of what does Alan do? We know what Alan does when it's really cold. You, you told us, you told us about that last time, mm-hmm. but, uh, other than the, the changes in the suit and then, you know, having your supporters spray you down, anything else that you changed, uh, for this round?
2: Uh, yeah. Um, uh, in, in addition to the, uh, the water spray, I also had, uh, ice cubes available, so I, I had them in my hands. Huh? I had, some, I had some in my suit as well, uh, like you put some ice cubes in the, uh, in the groin, but uh, <laughs> uh, the hands was the, definitely the most effective, uh, effective place, or uh, they the melted the fastest. So that was a really, really nice uh, uh, thing as well. Um, but uh, the, the other thing is uh, um, I've been more aware of the, the salt intake
1: Yes, I was going to ask about your hydration and your sodium intake specifically. Yeah,
2: uh, yeah. So uh, because I read the, like the mentioned book, the the Water Lodge by Tim Noakes, and he's all for drinking to th- thirst. Yes. So yeah, that was what I was doing, and and it, in Norseman I had great success with that race and uh, with that tactic. Uh, but in the ho- hotter races, uh, not too much. So, um, and in, in the book, it says that you don't need salt as either. Uh, but then I started to, I heard some podcasts that said that, uh, it's a huge variation in the salt content in the blood.
1: In the sweat, maybe. The, usually the blood no pretty, no, no no yeah the, sorry salt concentration yeah the, the, the sweat yeah because the blood's more or less static i mean, not static but it doesn't change that much yeah
2: no i yeah you have you're absolutely correct i mean uh, i meant the, the sweat so you can have uh, between like 200 and 2000 milligrams of uh, sodium per uh, per liter of the sweat which is like 10 times difference and you have you can uh, have up to six times different in sweat rate so
1: yeah. sounds like Michael Erickson's podcast, uh, uh, the on show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah. So I, I actually, I, I contacted um, Precision Hydration. <laughs> it's, yep, it's, yeah.
0: One of his sponsors. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I was going to want, I was going to ask if that was them.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's them. And uh, I, uh, so um, um, the, the founder, Andy Blow actually got uh, interested in me as a, as a, as an athlete, because I was I was on the drink to thirst, uh, uh, yeah, uh, like tactic. Uh, uh, so anyway, I, ch- I changed. Uh, uh, I had a good talk with him, and we discussed some different products because I am a heavy sweater, and I will actually fly to Stockholm next week to to get an advanced sweat test. Oh, cool! Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, and meet up with him. So that's uh, great. So I I did uh, up my intake, my salt intake to a thousand milligrams uh, of sodium each hour.
1: Yeah, that's that's definitely in the ballpark for for a lot of people. That sounds about right.
2: It, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I I actually I was going to. Th- take 1500 uh but the package of, with the 1500 mixture didn't arrive <laughs> in time uh, yeah so i yeah i uh, i used uh, and, and in addition i used uh, i used the solution with with some kybo- carbohydrates as well mm-hmm. uh so salt and carbohydrates in the in my uh like air quote uh, water bottle uh, because that was supposed to uh, maximize uh uptake rate of of the fluid
1: right yeah there's a again <laughs> referring back to michael's excellent podcast he has a, he has an interview with andy um andy blow of precision hydration where uh th- they talk quite a bit about osmolality i was actually i asked a question about it and then he uh, he had a q and a with andy i
0: I heard that. Yeah, your name was mentioned there.
1: Yeah, it was. uh, It was a question that I've always been curious about, and Andy gave a a really detailed answer about it. So, yeah, um, it's a. It it is a really interesting uh, subject of research, and there is no. You know, uh, I I don't know that there is the one right answer. I don't. You know, from from the evidence that I've seen, I don't really agree with the drink to thirst strategy. I don't think that it that it works in the, you know, in the kind of extreme situations that we put ourselves in when we're racing, uh, at really at any level. Um, so I'm, I'm more, you know, personally, I'm more in the, you know, the precision hydration Andy blow camp of, of managing your, um, your, uh, your water and electrolyte intake to maximize absorption rather than letting your thirst, uh, reflex dictate how much you drink.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely more on board with, uh, with Andy now. Uh, but it, I, I guess it was just, I, I was just like, uh, I didn't believe in the existing hydration guidelines uh, at at the time, and then I read uh, like Tim Noakes' book, and then I got like converted. But it, it was, I think the the correct answer is uh, is uh, is somewhere in the middle of having a plan and drinking to thirst. Yes like uh, so it was, uh, like you, you the best thing is to drink to a plan, but to to have a good plan you have to it is so many factors that uh, that uh, comes into what that plan should look like so you have to 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 I, I don't know adjust it very carefully according to the uh, to the environment because. When I when I did Norseman in, and we had zero degrees on the bike, I the drinking to thirst plan worked really really good. Mm. Uh, but, uh, but 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 uh, but generally it, it doesn't. <laughs> so it, now I am all with uh, with uh, with Andy Blow and I also tried the pre-hydration, like uh, drinking a half a liter of. Uh, Fifteen hundred milligrams sodium mix uh, the evening before the race and one hour before the race uh, or forty five minutes before the race.
1: Yeah, it definitely it definitely does help. It helps with water retention and then it, it you know it sort of you know reduces your reduces the risk of dehydration and then obviously as you're retaining water you're carrying a little bit more mass but especially if you're doing long course racing by the time you get to the point where mass is really important specifically on the run then by then you're dehydrated no matter what you do so you're gonna be you're gonna be in a better place
2: yeah yeah definitely so uh uh, that was uh, that was a new thing and it uh and i really really felt great especially the the day before because like you used to sipping uh like water all day (laughs) and then you're peeing all day and that's actually making you dehydrated and because uh, I went to, I was doing kickboxing before. I was doing triathlon, and then we actually drank a lot of water uh, okay. uh, leading up to the race. Because then the body got uh, got uh, used to having a lot of water coming, and then you peed a lot, and then you stopped drinking water the morning before you were weighing in, and that was nice. actually a way to dehydrate you to to reach <laughs> to reach the the weight. So.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Crazy. To make weight yeah. so you would drink more to trick your kidneys into thinking you're like you have too much plasma volume and then <laughs> cause you to pee, huh?
2: Yeah, yeah. So that was actually huh. a a weight losing hack like not not uh yeah, not the weight losing you you want in <laughs> other sports but
1: Yeah, not not in our sport for sure.
2: No, no, no. No, no, no. So uh so uh, at least that was that was a change as well and I was really happy with that and uh, I'm very very keen to 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 do t- more testing of of, uh, of uh, with with the salt intake and, and the
0: hydration. Cool. So you mentioned you mixed the the salt with uh, the carbohydrates in your drink. Did you rely on liquid calories most of the time, or did you eat solids during the race, or what's your preference there? Uh,
2: yeah, my preference is uh, is um, uh, I have. I, I I drink a really concentrated uh, liquid gel. So it's about hundred calories each uh, each hundred milliliters. Oh.
0: <laughs> so yeah. that would be like syrup almost.
2: Yeah, that's syrup. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but it it is. So it's like I I, I drink um, roughly three hundred and. Between maybe three hundred and thirty and three hundred and fifty calories each hour on, on the bike, uh, and that that is the the carbohydrates from from the the "air water and and mostly from the syrup uh, gel, <laughs> um, which is which is quite easy to, to actually do because I have all my nutrition uh like gel nutrition in one water bottle and i have marks for each half deciliter so i just can can count up how much i've been eating so i can actually know during the race how much i've been eating at what what times
1: perfect yeah it's funny how in long course racing finding like or i would even say like engineering your nutrition and hydration strategy is such a big deal. It's not, you know, because of individual variation in terms of how much, you know, how many grams of carbohydrate you can absorb, and then, you know, individual bike setups and and tastes and things like flavor fatigue and things like you know hunger signals from lack of solid food. How. The, it's such a multivariate problem, which has, um, you know, an infinite number of solutions. But uh, you know, working with some of my um, some of my long course athletes, this is something that we spend a ton of time doing. And um, one of my guys who's going to Kona this year is uh, has the exact same solution essentially as you do. He's got a a concentrated bottle. Um, he uses maple syrup, uh, diluted with a little bit of water, but. It's yeah. the exact you know the exact same solution and then he gets his uh, he gets his electrolytes and water uh, for hydration purposes um separately from that from that mix
0: that's such a canadian thing to do maple syrup for your- <laughs>
1: maple so so this was a, this was a uh, something i learned f- about from uh, stacy sims um she was talking about uh she was talking about um the kind of the uh, some of the optimal Fuel sources, and it turns out that um, maple syrup is a really nice combination of um, of uh, glucose and, fruct- and fructose. Like it's essentially sucrose, like table sugar, um, and it's time released. So all those people who have, say, like FODMAP sensitivities, specifically to fructose, uh, who get you know bloating from fructose-heavy sport drinks or gels, um, the the mix in maple syrup, and the, this is from Stacey, uh, is is right that it's that the breakdown of the of that sucrose molecule is time delayed so you never get a big hit of fructose which would typically cause gi distress in some athletes um, so that you get uh you get a really nice release of energy and it's you know also an all natural product obviously and it's also so much cheaper than gels so if you're somebody that i coach we've we've had the maple syrup conversation i'm sure more than once
2: yeah, but uh, yeah, the, it it is it sounds like a good idea. But as you mentioned, the the like the flavor fatigue, I and and the like uh, the hunger feeling of uh, not drinking solid foods, I uh, I also do two energy bars on the bike.
1: Ah, okay, yeah, that yeah. yeah
2: so I, but but it's uh, I think the power bar energize. So they they're quite quite. Like they know as as little fiber and and other things than carbohydrate as possible, right, yeah, as much carbs and as little fat as possible as little fiber yeah, yeah, because you you yeah you got you, you got some um, most energy bars are, are are much higher on like yeah are, are a bit higher on fiber and fat,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you on that. you don't need exogenous fat when you're when you're racing, you've got enough stored in your body, even if you're the leanest person ever.
2: Yeah, yeah. no. So I, 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 I don't, I don't uh, like to 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 do them or to eat those bars in training. Then I eat like better tasting, more more not so sweet energy bars. But uh, for racing, it's uh, it's my go to product. Mm. Or no, uh, I, I had some difference in um, nutrition strategy on the run as well, which was quite interesting. But uh, I can, I don't know if you had some questions about. Uh, nutrition on the bike?
0: Well, one thing I was going to mention on the bike is from my own personal experience uh, when I did the um, Mont Blanc full race – Immediately on entering the race course, I hit a, I think it was an expansion joint in a bridge and it just bounced my water bottle off that I had a concentrated like super bottle of hydration and nutrition there. So the problem is when you put all your eggs in one basket, if something goes wrong like that, then you're now at the mercy of what's on course. Um, So in terms of engineering a solution, you've got to take those contingencies into, into account sometimes. And it is a little bit risky sometimes if something does happen.
1: Well, the best engineering solution is a robust engineering solution, right,
0: Andrew? Yes, that's right.
2: Yeah, and but I, I, I've done the same as uh, myself. Like I lost my hudri- uh, nutrition bottle in Challenge Almer, but then I did the only sound thing. I I, I turned back and picked it up. <laughs> um, but I've uh, yeah because I've I've read it a lot and I read it like Frederick uh, Van Lierde did the same and he like his race was ruined because he lost his lost his energy bottle so uh that uh, you have to really test it out and now i have a tour hans uh, vr bottle on my frame uh and i have lost one of those world. in a race once oh you have
1: yeah they have yeah. bounced out on me i bounced out on me once it's they, they're a little bouncy when they're close to empty so that it didn't hurt me in that respect because it was already mostly empty but uh yeah, I mean they all. Yeah, have to but
2: tested. yeah, but I have the syrup uh, in my uh, in my bottle, so uh, when it uh, spills over, it sticks. Yeah. <laughs> all right.
1: you have a natural <laughs> adhesive then.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, <laughs> I was I was actually taking it off my bike today, and I was uh, I had to to uh, to to spray it down with warm water to get it to loose. <laughs> actually, I wasn't able to get the water out of the cage, or the bottle out of the cage.
0: <laughs> yeah. Nice. And then, with the warm conditions this year, I guess the other question would be, uh, how many calories did you find yourself consuming compared to when it's cold? No,
2: that that was the same.
0: Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No. No, but I, I, yeah, I, I guess uh, it, it might be more difficult to to take in calories when you're uh, hotter, but I, uh, it was the same.
0: I think in terms of total consumption, you tend to, because your body's always trying to maintain that temperature, if you're always pumping out extra heat to keep yourself warm, I think you tend to burn a few more calories when it's cold. But uh, in terms of what you can actually ingest, you're always operating at a deficit. So you're trying to, I guess, maximize the amount you, that you eat regardless.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I, I found that eating a bit uh, less than you can is better than eating uh, a bit more than you can handle <laughs> uh because yeah yeah nobody likes to vomit or have diarrhea during a race but uh i've i've i tried to eat as much as i can tolerate uh, actually and i found that to be about 350 uh on the bike and maybe 250 270 on the run
1: that's great. Uh, and I do want to know about your your running nutrition strategy, but I do, I want to go back um, and emphasize something you said about turning around and going back to get your bottle. And it seems, you know, on the face of it as, as something that, oh, you know, you're going to lose you know, a minute, maybe two minutes of your race in doing that. And it feels like, you know, you've, it feels like admitting defeat or failure. And it's not something you really, you don't want to be going backwards when you're doing a potentially a 14, 15 hour race. Uh, but I think that's absolutely the right thing to do because it, in, the, in the long run, if you muck up your nutrition. If you probably don't get enough or you try something that's on the course that you haven't tried before and then risk GI up, upset, that's going to cost you far, far, far more time than those two minutes that you would you would spend taking the time to turn around and, and pick it up. So I think that is, a, that is an excellent point to make.
0: The other consideration there too is that um, people sometimes get popped for littering. Um, I know that the pros will occasionally get penalties <laughs> just because a bottle is popped off. Uh, but yeah, in, in my specific circumstance, I didn't even know it was gone until I went to reach for it, which was the problem. Uh, yeah. So I think had I noticed I would have turned around, but, uh, yeah, just sometimes it happen you know, things happen.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but at least it's, it's nice to. To have think about it, what happens if I lose the bottle? Then, like number one, I pick it up. But I also lost a bottle in Patagonian, and then it, it went off the road and out in a big river. So <laughs> that that was, then, <laughs> but that was a water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could have had a second swim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That could so then, then uh, yeah, then uh, that was uh, that was also an issue. But it's it's nice to to have uh, plans about what happens or what you do if it happens.
0: Right, right, yeah, um, so you had touched on a slightly different nutrition strategy, or you'd mentioned you ate something a little bit different on the run. Um, do you want to go through that a little bit?
2: Yeah, I can take it uh, because the, I only on the run, I've only taken uh, like liquid gels or gels, so uh, and water um, and then I've used uh, coke the, maybe the last. 40 minutes or or so not not uh but it, it had a the issue has been that I've been I felt like really nauseous at the, towards the end uh and really really nauseous when I crossed the finish line so whenever I reached the finish line the the, first, the thing I wanted to do is to lay down and puke uh so and <laughs> Yeah, the gut, uh, they call it the goo gut or something like that. Uh, so I actually had, uh, I asked uh, some advice for slow twitch and they recommended to do maybe more coke earlier. So now I, I did, I started with uh, uh, liquid gel uh, the first 20 minutes, which is like one, like I have one dose of, um, that's 90 calories each 20 minutes. Uh, and I started with gel and then I went right to coke and gel and coke each uh, uh, each other uh, time. So uh, and and that was also a tremendous help for for the nauseous thing. So that was uh, that was uh, quite good.
1: So you were supplementing. You were you were uh, s- switching from gels to coke earlier on in the race, or at least partially from gels to coke earlier on. Is that what
2: you're said Yeah, I, I did it from the start. Uh, and before I've only done it the last, last, yeah, last 40 minutes.
1: Hmm. And but you yeah. think, so you think it was the concentration of Coke that was, uh, that was making you nauseous?
2: No, no, not the concentration of Coke, the, the gel. So now I, 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 I had much more Coke than I've had because previously I'd just been on gels until the yeah. last part. So now I was on Coke and less gel much earlier or from the start of the run. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, at, at least if, like uh, the nutrition strategies, it it is, it is uh, no one size fits. Also, you have to find out what works for you. But uh, the only, so it's if 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 you noticed you you are low on energy or you have some stomach issues or you are nauseous, then you at least you can you can get a good find a find a plan of how you can try to to improve it.
0: I think that's probably the best advice is just um, everything's unique and then try to learn how your body reacts. Um, so what I try to do before a race is use the exact nutrition that I'll be relying on for the race and try to train with that as much as possible in the same way that I race with it so that my gut is ready for that uh, that dosing that it gets of all the the carbohydrates. And I find that when I first start using it, because it can get expensive if every training um training session, you're using your your race nutrition strategy. But um, yeah, I, I find that the first couple sessions that I do, uh, my stomach's a little upset and then it gets used to it. And then by the time the race comes around, I'm, I'm quite well adapted. Um, but that's personally what works for me. Other people might have different solutions.
1: Yeah, training the guts is quite important, as you say, Andrew. And generally speaking, the advice is... Um, you're right. You don't want to necessarily do it every every session because it gets expensive. And let's be fair; like all that race nutrition stuff is horrible nutritionally for us. So I would uh, kind of the advice that uh, that I go with is um, as you're getting closer to the race, you want to do one or two training sessions a week, uh, especially those that are. Um, and this is advice again lifted sort of from Andy Blow's uh, piece. Um, you want to you want to limit it perhaps to races where you're doing race intensity and close to race duration so depending on what you're um what specifically you're training towards but anytime you're doing simulation workouts that's really where you want to try the race nutrition that's where you're going to get the biggest value for uh uh for your you know both the uh the intestinal damage and the the hit that your wallet takes
2: yeah but i i I do the same i have I have several. Uh, I don't have so many. You call it like the big big days, uh, but I have have small big days. Uh, so it <laughs> uh, no, yeah. But it it can be like a four hour ride with uh, like up to three hours in race intensity, and then uh, a forty forty five minute run. And uh, like uh, and and those days, uh, uh, that's when I, I I use my I use my race nutrition because it, it isn't. At least, from from my uh, uh, from my experience, it isn't when I'm when I'm road uh, when I'm riding in zone one. I can eat like a Big Mac, like it, it is. Like, like I can I can stomach everything, but when I'm one hundred percent, yeah, when I'm up to one hundred or in close to close to threshold threshold, then 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 it's a totally different ball game.
1: Yeah. No, I agree with you entirely. I, you know, for reasons that I don't understand myself, I decided to do a really big ride last weekend when uh, I'm not training for anything that has a bike component to it, at least for another year. So, but just because, you know, I had the opportunity, I, I, I wanted to go over 200. So I, I rode a long ride. In the middle of it, I ate a slice of pepperoni pizza and it was amazing. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because because my intensity was, yeah, it was like, you know, let's say zone two, it was never really very high. So it's it sat fine just because... You know, I wasn't working hard, but if it was race based yeah, I would be. You know, yeah, leaving that pizza on the side of the road. There's a there's a good quote from uh, from the hot dog eating uh, championship world. They call it a reversal of fortune. So there, I would have had a reversal of fortune on the side of the road.
0: Yeah. All uh, right, and on that note, <laughs> why, did, <laughs> <laughs> why don't uh, I think we've we've dug pretty deep on nutrition? So why don't we take a look at maybe the way your race day is shaped up and what kind of preparation you do, both mentally and physically? Uh, maybe right from the start of the morning, like how early do you get up before a race?
2: Oh, yeah, get up early. That's uh, Norseman or oh, Patagonman is the king of getting early up in the race. Then I got up at one a.m. Uh, what? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the start goes 5 a.m. and you have to get on the ferry at 4 a.m. and you have to drive a long way to get to the ferry. Um, but uh, in Osman, you can sleep all the way to uh, 2.45 a.m., I think. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> sleeping in, Alan. <sleeping> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, yeah, sometimes I... Uh, yeah. I, I, the s- sleeping isn't, isn't the best. Some people can change their rhythm to, to get, go, go, go to sleep at uh, 8 pm, but uh, I'm, I'm, un- I'm unable to do that. So, uh, a bit uh, short on sleep, but that's quite normal. Uh, and I think, I don't know, I have like a pre race, like uh, music list, uh, which I put on. Uh, when I go on the ferry out to uh, out to the fjord, you have to go to the ferry in Norseman as well at four o'clock, and the start goes at I think five minutes to five this year, as it was uh, a world championship. Okay. Uh, but, but anyways, so uh, it isn't. I just try to uh, to focus on the tasks at hand. I had. So, uh, when you jump in the water, it's usually super cold, but now it was 18 degrees. So it was first time I never felt cold during the start of the swim. Uh, and when I swim, I've tried to focus on relaxing my breath and, uh, relaxing the muscles between my shoulders. Yeah. So it is, uh, it is quite like simple, right. small tasks,
0: uh, And leading up to the start of the race, um, like I know for myself, I get quite nervous, even though I know I've done it a hundred times and I know it'll be fine, but it's always the nerves that are, are there. And I think a lot of people feel that way. So I've heard many people say they can't even eat before a race because they're worried about throwing up. Um, but do you have any issues with nerves? And if so, how do you deal with it?
2: Man, no, (laughs) (laughs) no, I, I don't have any issues with nerves. It's, uh, I, no, I I don't know. I've, it's better if you do it more times. But I I know some people get really nervous again and again. Uh, but but I I don't. So I, I don't in in my work as a process technician. I work in uh, like an emergency management team as well, and so we do a lot of training around stressful situations. So we have some techniques to cope with that as well. And I think the the most the most basic thing is just to deep uh, breathe deeply.
1: <laughs> yeah, and there's yeah. some there's some research out there that uh, you don't want to be too relaxed, right? That that you that a little bit of that, you know, that stress response is very beneficial to racing, um, and it's possible to train that response out of your body completely. And you don't want that. You don't want to be overly relaxed at the start of a race you don't want to be you know completely you know if you're if you're talking about if you think of a sort of arousal as a spectrum you don't want to be hyper aroused you don't want to be so stressed out that you're having a panic attack but you don't you also don't want to be hypo aroused where you just don't care and your body is not prepared to do work remember i mean stress is a stress is a response to a situation where you have to react quickly and uh, and you know use fuel and and do all of the things that you really need to do when you're racing so you don't want to really uh, depress that um, uh, that physiological phenomenon too much
2: yeah you are you're absolutely right but i think that's the the difference the individual differences are so big and i'm on on the on the far other side, so I think I'm maybe too relaxed. So actually, it's it's true. I had to to like try to to get my uh, I don't know excitement up to 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 make my body ready to 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 give yeah to perform from from the get go.
0: Maybe you just need yeah. someone to jump out from behind a an obstacle and surprise you before a race <laughs> to get you going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's quite interesting, though, Um, because I've heard, yeah, the whole range of things from different pros where, again, some people are basically the edge of throwing up and other people are like yourself. And yeah, Michael, you're probably right about being in the middle is kind of the ideal. You don't want it to you don't want the stress to control you, but you want it to prepare your body for what it's about to encounter
1: yeah and that as as Alan said very well, that middle is different for every for every person you know some people can tolerate a higher level of arousal without uh without negative effects, and then other people they can't they you know they just they freeze up so yeah that's i mean that's that's a topic really worth exploring andrew that's mm-hmm. let's put that one on the list
0: yeah, good topic during the race itself, uh you're out there for quite a while, so what goes through your head? And you know how do you deal with boredom on some of the the, the less interesting sections of the race?
2: Yeah, it's uh, that's very interesting as well. And I work with uh, with uh, she's called Adelaide goodeve She's a mindset coach. Uh, so we have specific tactics on the on the different parts. And for example, uh, on the bike, it is uh, it is focusing on being strong and efficient, and so. I think on the bike with me focus on, on being strong and efficient oh that that includes like how how I sit on my bike and how I use my muscular recruitment or because if I, if I get too far uh, forward on the seat then I lose my hamstring so I have to at least focus on that I'm sitting enough back on on the on the seat and activating my hamstring and the efficient thing is uh, is arrow. To, to tuck my head down and combine that with uh, having to, to handle the nutrition plan and a hydration plan, that's, that's enough. <laughs> <Like> <laughs> that's, that's all my uh, cogn- cognitive capacity is maxed out, just doing that. Um, so I try to go, go back to, 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 to the task-oriented things as much as possible. Uh, And on the run, I focus on uh, breathing properly, relaxing my my face, relaxing my neck, relaxing my shoulders, relaxing my arms, uh, and getting my hip forward. Uh, And when I've done that, I just cycle through it the same again. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's almost meditative, right? Like you're when you have you know you have a, a a very short, simple list of things. I think that that in my you know research and experience, personal experience that works way better when you have a very simple list that you can just go through, you know, over and over and over again. People count you know to ten or to eight or something because it just has a similar effect. It's uh, it, you know it's not necessarily performance enhancing because you're not focused on form, but it is a very simple you know pattern to fall back on so it's easy to it's easy to do it's a low cognitive load activity when you're already you know when there's already enough cognitive load on you to just keep pushing especially in the later stages of that run
2: yeah and but i i guess that's very individual for everyone as well but i had like my my mindset coach she was she tried all kind of different uh, strategies so we have done it uh, work together the last uh, year and we have tried many different strategies but Whenever they get uh, slightly more complicated than super simple, then I, I just cannot, it, it doesn't work for me. I, I'm hmm. not able to, to, to actually do it in a race. So when we evaluate the race, like what did work? Okay, yeah, the simple things. That's, that's, that's what works for me. Uh, so when I, was, uh, when I started to run the uphill uh, section of Norseman, the Tzambi Hill, then you're allowed to have music. So for the first time I put uh, music in my ears and I heard the song Harder Faster Scooter uh with the artist Scooter. Hmm. Uh on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> so I heard the same song solid for uh more than 1 hour before. yeah yeah. So that was like it is it sounds insane but that that was yeah that was what I did. <laughs>
1: I think of all the things that we're talking about, I, I, listening to a song on repeat for an hour is probably l- the least insane of the things that you did. That
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. 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 But maybe, maybe the song is insane though, but I, I, I yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's something I did and I, I find it to work really well to, to focus, to be there in the moment and not be because the day is, is so long and, uh, the only thing you can do something about is like the moment you're in right now. So that's that's when you decide if you are going to to run like fast and efficient, or you're going to to run with the pole technique, or if you're going to walk. So
0: I, I find for myself. Um my mind tends to wander when it gets further on in the race. So staying focused even on a couple simple things becomes quite difficult. So having something like a set of instructions written down or a set of um, just things to remember for form um, where you've got maybe three points written down on the back of your hand or on a piece of tape somewhere or taped to your handlebars when you're on the bike. Um, just looking at those is enough to keep your mind focused. So maybe it's something like keep your head down or, Drink every fifteen minutes or something like that, and if you have that in front of your face, then it it's always accessible. You don't have to think, oh, what was I supposed to remember? What steps am I trying to follow right now?
2: Yeah, that's that's really a really good plan. Uh, I have some things written down on my um, uh, on my handlebar on my morph bars as well, but it, it is like uh, what I was what my it's my nutrition plan. What I was going to have on my next like aid stations or for my supporters at that certain point. So I knew exactly what, what was coming.
1: That's awesome. I think that, um, you know, listening to you talk about all of the, you know, all of the things that you do on these, in these extreme races, I'm, I'm taking notes because, uh, I think that, uh, for next year, I want to try the Canada man extreme try, uh, as my key race of the season. So all of your, you know, all of this advice is super, super useful.
2: Yeah, you should definitely try a extreme triathlon uh, race. It's it's really fun. Uh,
1: I was going to ask Alan if you wanted to talk about the way that the run shook down because it was a it was a, <laughs> an incredibly dramatic finish at, at, yeah, the, yeah, at yeah. the end there. But if yeah, you have yeah. Andrew, if you had a question that sort of like slots in before that, then let's cover yours.
0: No, I was. Um, I guess. It- slightly does chronologically slot in before that um we talked a little bit about um race tactics on the bike um but basically yeah my question's more focused on how did this specific race go we've talked a lot about the strategies behind it but uh when you got out there i know that uh, alan you and i had done some work on aerodynamics for the downhill section uh, you know how did that work out this year and then just the competition on the run and i know it was a very exciting finish
2: yeah, uh, we had, uh, we had, uh, yeah, I, I just listened to your podcast, uh, Leo Lars podcast, uh, running with stride power meter. Uh, and then you had some Q&As with the, uh, with the tuck position. And my, yes, yeah, my, we, and
1: you, your name came up.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> I heard as well. And I could just like share my numbers because my regular aero position was 0. 0.186 and my tuck position was 0. 0.159. Uh, oh, so, wow that's a big difference yeah that's 15 about 15 percent lower i think uh and in uh in in the Norseman course i you i reckon you have as much as 15 20 minutes uh total time where you can stay in that super tech position so it's a lot um
0: yeah and in a race like that, that definitely adds up the The specific example we used before was Montre Blanc, where there's a maybe a ten second descent, so ten seconds versus yeah, twenty yeah, minutes yeah. that's that can make a difference
2: yeah and I agree if if the descent is not long, I don't think it's worth it because you have to get out of air position when you're getting up as well, or like there is a transition cost, I believe.
1: Yes, of course. I think you're right. Yeah, you you go on the uh, well, you have the morph bars, so I don't know how it works with the morph bars, but typically, yeah. yeah, you would go on your brakes first on your hoods and then into into the aero bars.
2: Yeah. So, at, le- at least it's uh uh yeah, I th- I th- I think it comes with the cost, so it has to be quite long and uh long and non-technical uh, obviously. But uh, you have quite a few of those in Normman and you have I first learned it in Half Ironman Marbella, uh, where I got passed by other professional athletes in in that super tech position. So that's when I found out it was much faster. But then again, maybe they gained like uh, ten seconds on me in uh, one and a half kilometer downhill. So it, it isn't it isn't much. Hmm. But I'm very I'm very glad I did it uh, in Norseman because how how the how how the how the race Played out, it's uh it's nice to know that i did everything i could
0: <laughs> yeah because i think well maybe maybe we can talk or maybe you can talk a little bit more about the finish and then um yeah because it was extremely close i think it was the closest ever finish for the race
2: it, yeah it, it was the closest finish and um like uh, hans christian tungeswig he was a bit uh ahead of me in transition i think Three minutes and 20 seconds uh and i had uh, like i'm i'm good at running at the the flat section so i gained uh, I, I overtook him at 15 kilometers um and then when we hit the mountain uh like the last final part i had three three and a half minutes advantage uh, so i actually i didn't see him during the race i had no clue how far behind he was and maybe with 100 meters to go i saw that he was right behind me (laughs) Uh, and then i've been leading the race for two hours and it was like this do or die moment it's like now i have to to go out in a sprint and the last part of northman is really 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 steep (laughs) so we got this big stairs uh like yeah, made with uh, yeah uh, stone stairs, uh, and then I just gave it uh, like my final effort, and then it lasted for five seconds, and then it was totally. Uh, then I was unable to walk.
1: <laughs> oh no! So, so you can't you can't do a five second hundred meter sprint upstairs.
2: <laughs> no 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 no, uh, no. But it's uh, yeah yeah. So it's uh, uh, I like. Uh, um yeah i have been training specifically stair running uh like i live in a a apartment with 15 floors so i have been doing some sessions running up the stairs taking the elevator down running up the stairs uh but it it wasn't enough uh uh, so it was my, my quadriceps would just just said this is enough and we can't do it anymore so uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't able to yeah like when i yeah i basically i uh, i it was some part after the sprint that i actually i, I wasn't able to walk forward uh yeah i guess so, that's the way you
1: want to finish a race like that i mean not going <laughs> second but you know knowing that that you know there's there's no there's no forward momentum left or no forward power left
2: yeah yeah and and people uh at least many people thought i would be very disappointed but uh, for me it was super exciting um and i obviously i wanted to win but it it, the most important thing is not to win like i've done north it was the eighth time i've done northman i won it three times and last year i won with uh, with uh, uh, i think i had a 10 minute margin with uh, with with quite a bad performance in the last one hour of the race now i i did the uh, one hour of the last uh, the last uh, climb 10 minutes faster than last year
1: oh wow okay
2: yeah so it, it was much better so it, it was just but it, it was it was a very it was it was the best performance i've done in northman uh, ever so it was a really really good good race and uh, that it didn't it that it wasn't enough to 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 win that was uh, i guess probably the first year it, was, it wouldn't have uh, gotten the victory but uh, that's i can't do anything about uh, uh, the other competitors so it was it was cool that it was such an exciting race and it really brought out the best in me and like when i when i finished the when I finished the race, uh, or finished the race 100 meter before I had the finish line, it, it was nothing left. And <laughs> that that's at least a feeling I've been searching for, for 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 a long time, to 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 get to the limit that you know that you're given absolutely everything. So that was uh, quite cool.
1: <laughs> it's really great to hear somebody at your level say that, because you know, at my level, Andrew's level, giving it your all is the prize. It's, it's, you know, we're not, you know, we can qualify, some of us, some of us could qualify for Kona potentially or, or for, you know, ITU worlds or something. And there's, there's obviously satisfaction in doing that, but, but, you know, nine times out of 10, you're racing for purely personal satisfaction. And what you said there about knowing that you, you did this race and you executed it well, and you had nothing left to give, I think at least on, 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 my level of of racing that's the um that's the pinnacle of performance that's like that's the best feeling that that you can have um you guys race for money and you know there's sponsorships and things at stake there isn't for us so that that's um, a sentiment that i can really
2: appreciate yeah no but it's uh like when you say race for money if you win Norman you win a black t-shirt like all the hundred uh, <laughs> 160 guys yeah, yeah but of course some um, uh, but it is if no but it's for me that is that is all it's all it's about then that I'm I don't know lucky enough and and I have the possibility to actually win something that's a bonus you might say but it is it is the process and uh like last year I won, but I was disappointed. I wasn't happy with my execution and I was genuinely disappointed. So uh but now I, am, I did much better and and I was super happy with that. And just that uh uh some guy beat me, that's uh like the, yeah, that's uh uh it's it's out of my control.
0: That's super cool. Yeah, I, I love hearing that attitude. It's it's so refreshing because so many people are just focused on winning.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I know it's and it's horrible. And I got my like my father. I want to, don't want to hang him out too much, but he was the most disappointed of everyone. <laughs> uh, but he was he was looking the tragedy unfold in the in the mountain there, <laughs> and uh, uh, so he's all about the winning. Uh, but that means he usually. And what happens to people who are all about the winning is that they don't even try
1: yeah, that's true when you when you think you're not gonna win yeah yeah, yeah that can shut down yeah, yeah. you down right away
2: yeah, so you have those natural winners who win a lot, uh but then you have the ninety nine point nine degrees who are like uh having the same attitude but not winning, so they just don't try hmm. yeah. So it's. Uh, I started triathlon, and I think uh, it went five years before I started until I won anything. So, if if you're all about winning, then it's uh, then you either have to start very young and talented and and winning from early stage, and or else you just quit. <laughs>
0: Well, I think you deserve a big congratulations on your performance. Though. It was um, very exciting to see the results of the race. I tried to tune in on the live coverage, but it wasn't didn't seem to be working for me. But uh, no, it was it was fantastic to see how close it was, and and to hear you say that you were very satisfied with it is is refreshing.
2: Yeah, and uh, I um, yeah the the live race uh, they said it wasn't as good this year, but it was much better last year. So I hope they will improve it, but. Uh, cool that you followed, and I will thank you a lot for the help you uh, you provided me with uh, uh, before the race, with the optimization of my hydration, where I put my water bottle and stuff like that, and my front hydration. So, uh, so that's like that's that's nice to know that you did everything. When you you knew basically, uh, if if I had thirty more seconds to go, I I think I would have made it to the top <laughs> first. So that was I, I missed I like where where can you where can you get the thirty seconds that's of course a lot of places, but we really did a good job in advance to to actually make the every second precious so I was, I was really happy with that process yeah and thank you for 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 that work
0: yeah, well, I was very glad to help out. It was a fun process to try and optimize everything. Um, and then, yeah, just for some background for everyone else listening, um, Alan and I had worked on his downhill position, trying to find out where the bottle should be placed and and how to, the most efficient place to put his head and and things like that. So the morph bars actually offered some pretty unique opportunities for descending just because the bars, the extensions, traditional extensions aren't necessarily in the way and he could get his head quite a bit lower, um, just to get that extra descending speed.
1: That's great. Um, yeah, before we before we shut it down, um, Alan, what's next for you? What's on your what's on your calendar? What what do you got? Uh,
2: yeah, uh, two weeks after Norseman, I did the Lofoten Extreme Triathlon. Uh, uh, oh, yeah,
1: okay. How'd that go? That,
2: that one that one was really great. I I started race uh, uh, sleep deprived, uh, not recovered and under prepared, uh, but uh, I, but I had actually I had a really good race. <laughs> so uh i i i i i reduced the course record with forty minutes and i won one wow. one hour and ten minutes ahead of the second guy but uh, <laughs> it was, uh okay yeah it was uh, it was quite nice right? but um anyway, it was um, and and became norwegian long distance champion so that was nice as well oh
1: congratulations
2: uh but uh and and I had a great week in the most beautiful place in in the world so um so that was nice and now i'm doing ironman barcelona in in the beginning of october
1: awesome very cool Um, so alan has a a really great blog and uh he sent us a link to his latest article about uh how you can get how you can get faster um which we will absolutely link to and i think uh he's got how you can
2: get faster for free
1: that's an important distinction, how you can get faster yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for free. And,
2: and, and, and not train. That was, I was supposed to, I, maybe I should, uh, you, you don't need to train or use any money and you can get faster. So
1: well, that's think, a good one. I think, yeah, I think that's a, that's going to be a pretty easy sell. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll throw a link in our show notes to that article because, um, I think it is excellent. Uh, I, I skimmed through it a little briefly before, um, before we jumped on this call, um. So definitely worth a read, uh, and I will direct our listeners there. Um, anything else you want to mention, Alan? Uh,
2: no. <laughs> Good. Uh, Easy. Thanks <laughs> for the talk. Uh, that was uh, it. Was uh, it was again a really nice talk. It's uh, it's uh, truly fun to to speak to you guys.
0: Well, thank you for saying that. Yeah, and I can say honestly that every time we talk to you, I learn quite a bit. So I'm keen to keep talking to you, and then I'll keep learning.
2: Yeah, I learn as well. So it's uh, it's uh, and I, I'm a regular listener to, listener to your podcast. So it's uh, it's it's a lot of a lot of good information. That's
1: great. Well, we're uh, we're happy to hear that, um, Andrew. You're you're jetting off to Europe soon.
0: Yes, I'm going to be in uh, Germany for Eurobike, and Four Eyes has a big announcement there for um, a new product that we're launching. So we will talk a little bit more about that maybe the next episode, and then I'm going to do some. On the ground, on the scene reporting for different uh, innovation and technology, I see uh, at some of the other booths with the uh, the whole Eurobike experience.
1: That's going to be great. I uh, so uh, I'm I'm certainly looking forward to that, and I hope you guys all are too. Um, with Andrew who's going to be our our on site reporter for endurance innovation at Eurobike. Yes. <laughs> so with that, uh, I'm going to say thank you very much for uh, for listening, everyone. Uh, as always, please continue to ask questions and uh, and give us uh, give us feedback on the podcast. We uh, reply to all of them, or we try to uh, try to get them um, uh, try to get them addressed in one way or another. And uh, for me here at X3, thank you very much for listening. Yes, thank you, everyone. And thanks again to Alan for uh, coming on and being our first ever
2: double guest. It's an honor. <laughs>